why wouldn't we wing it? It's been 500 episodes of winging it. <laughs> I don't, I, I can only think of really once that we had a conversation of what we were going to do for the following week. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the year that we did favorite Christmas songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was actually some, like, prep involved in that. Yep. (laughs) Other than that, fuck it, who cares? (laughs) Dance, monkey, dance. Welcome to this very special edition of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. John, welcome to show number 500. Wow. Can you believe we've done it for this long? Who'd have thought we'd make it this far? <laughs> really? And it's it's we're almost at the anniversary um, of the first time we put up a show. We are? It's It was like mid-May of okay. 2011. I believe. Okay. So we're we're like just on the cusp of ten years. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that we've we've said it before, but you didn't think this was gonna go past like show ten, so. <laughs> Boy, did I fool you. And you did. <laughs> Amazing. You know, to to be totally honest, if if I had done this with anybody else, it probably would have been only like ten episodes. Really, but I enjoy talking to you. You make me laugh, and we like the same shit. So it's always fun to get together with you and talk about it. It's a match made in heaven. It is. Um, you know, it got a little political recently, but but you know that's easing because of the situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like the whole world wasn't p- political, and we just kind of followed suit. We are a pop culture type podcast mm-hmm. um, you know and that's what was going on in the world and that's kind of what gets echoed on the show but we've tried to pull that back now yep um, do you have any memories at all of the last 10 years or oh it's been a blur <laughs> I don't have memories of breakfast <laughs> I think I had breakfast <laughs> yeah pretty sure I got dressed today well, I mean all you have to do is look down the laptop's on my lap I can't tell it's a big laptop <laughs> <laughs> I mean is is your dick burning or what uh no no okay you're probably clothed then okay good <laughs> possibly maybe I don't know <laughs> possibly so, we talked a little bit about what we were going to do for show 500, and we decided that what we were going to do is do an intro and then play episode one, mm-hmm. um, kind of a how we started and where we are type situation. Is, is this a, uh, a, a pop-up version? No. No? I don't got that kind of time director's commentary no 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 i think it's an interesting take though because we did not start out as a pop culture podcast we kind of started out as the the original idea for the show was really bizarre questions for each other okay and i'm pretty sure that the episode one is the encapsulation of that. And it, at some point we decided to, to shift the focus a little bit and it became more about like nerdy things and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so do you have anything else to say before we throw it to this? No, <laughs> I'm excited to listen to it again. You're not going to listen. I hope I was funny. I don't think either one of us were funny, but whatever. Oh, 
I think it was us stumbling our way through an hour, <laughs> to be quite honest. And look where we are and, today. And look what we're, yeah. Um, I haven't listened to episode one in a really long time. And I know that in the beginning, I used to heavily edit the, the podcast. Um, used to take out like blank space and shit like that. I don't do that anymore. Um, there's very few sections where that would apply these days, but. Mm. Um, we've gotten better at keeping things rolling. So I don't know how the edit sounds. I don't know how the audio sounds, whatever. Um, and you're not going to listen to it, so it really no. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying is we're taking the week off. No, 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 no. I want anybody who's who's come up recently that may have not had time to go back through the 500 shows. Okay. And a lot of it is topical. Like, I don't expect somebody to go and listen to us talk about season five of arrow or anything like that no but you really should seek out the 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 aftermath of whitney houston's death oh yeah that was my favorite yeah okay what did we call that episode goodbye goodbye nippy uh my <laughs> that might have been what it was called <laughs> <laughs> so um for anybody who hasn't heard episode one you want to hear what it originally originally sounded like and what we talked about here you go so um i don't think we're going to come back at the end of this i think i'm just going to let it play through the entire thing so hope you enjoy it um here's to the future i don't know how many more of these we're going to do you know old man john over there might decide he doesn't want to do them anymore but you know whatever I haven't gotten bored yet, but you know, <laughs> it's bound to happen. It is. It is. To, uh, like on like the 11th year anniversary, you're going to be like, oh, fuck this. I'm done. Uh, maybe the thousand episodes. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I can do a thousand. I don't know if I have a thousand in me, but we'll see. Yeah. Who knows? All right. So we'll just start recycling. Just start putting them up. We've done like... 500. We'll, we'll do a new opening forum and <laughs> there you go. Uh, our commentary on them yes oh god that would be terrible <laughs> all right well here's here's episode number one of dance monkey dance enjoy previously on dance monkey dance Of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris Hayner. I'm John Michael. Uh, and being that this is the first episode, I think we should take a minute and tell the listeners who we are and what this podcast is all about. Uh, I'm a freelance video producer and editor currently living in Arkansas, of all places. And I produce everything from TV commercials to marketing videos and everything in between. Uh, I'm a frustrated artist, designer, photographer in Orlando, Florida. I work in the theme park industry. Uh, currently, it's about 900 degrees out. <laughs> but it sure beats snow. Uh, yeah. Uh, John and I have known each other for about 13 years. And we work together for the same company. And we also work together on short films and marketing videos outside of that company. Uh, about five years ago, I took a job in Arkansas, and John and I don't talk nearly as much as I wanted to, so I figured if we did a podcast every week, it would give us a perfect excuse to bullshit with each other. Now, if you're looking for a podcast that'll help you with your life or career, essentially like a Merlin Mann podcast, this isn't it. Um, here you're going to get a lot of observation, screwed up scenarios, general chit chat, that kind of thing. Um, John and I have one goal with this podcast, and that's to make each other laugh, and in turn, hopefully make you all laugh as well. And so with that, all that crap out of the way, let's make with some funny, John. It's an awful lot of stress you're putting on me right now. I know, I know. Um, but I got a question for you, John. Something, something that um, I was thinking about the other day. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I, was, I was in the bathroom. And so you had a lot of time to think about it. Uh, well, yeah. And I'm trying to figure out 
when do you think it became socially acceptable or socially the need there be to, to for somebody to wipe their ass. <laughs> now, oh, well, okay, follow me on this before, because I actually have I ha- I actually have reasoning for this. Um, at some level on the the human existence, we're attracted to people based on their smell. Right. And, um, you know, cavemen and. I'm assuming up to a certain point in history, didn't wipe their ass. They would kind of squat or whatever, let it go and walk on. So on some subatomic level, are we attracted to the smell of shit? I think we're attracted to the smell of our own shit and not anybody else's. It's kind of narcissistic. Okay. Because, you know, because doing some research for the show, um, pa- uh, uh, well, toilet paper wasn't really invented until about uh, 589 A.D. Okay. And it, at that point, it was little wooden sticks. Um, but, like, commercial, commercial toilet paper, like, as we know it today wasn't really introduced until like the 15 or the 1850s. So I'm trying to figure out like at some point, like, and you hear all those stories about, you mostly hear about the French wearing a bunch of perfume and stuff to hide their smell because they didn't bathe that much. Right. But I guess on some level though, and maybe you're right because I guess you do, everybody loves their own fragrance. And, you know, you don't ever really drive yourself out of a room. I mean, I, I have on occasion, but, you know, when, when, but just thinking about it, like the law of attractions, yes, they say that, that you can be attracted to somebody at first sight, but I mean, whether you're attracted to men, women, whatever, it, it all starts with like scent. So, you know, maybe that's why there's so much like ass play and stuff. I don't know. Well, I don't think it necessarily starts with scent. I think, like you were saying, love at first sight. I think you may see somebody, but then as you get closer, right, and um, you know your other senses kind of start to take over. It's like, well, if if somebody smells good, somebody doesn't smell good. Somebody's got like horrendous uh, bad breath. Hmm. Because the other thing that I was thinking about too is, um, you know, maybe there our bodies have changed since like caveman times maybe because we sit a lot you know our ass shape has changed because probably not i don't know because like dogs just kind of squat and they don't have to wipe their butt yeah but we're not descended from dogs well no but (laughs) do do monkeys wipe their asses uh well they throw their poop at people so i guess in a way well, if you've ever seen two girls in one cup, we still do that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank God for YouTube. <laughs> Is that actually on YouTube? I don't think so. No. It's actually on Harold Camping's website. He's a big, <laughs> he's a big fan. And I think on uh, October 22nd, 2011, will be two pastors, one cup. Uh, oh. Eey. You know, I thought we'd get the theological and the scatological out in, in one <laughs> One big sweep. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I guess the rapture's been kind of postponed, huh? It's been delayed. I think they had they were kind of unsure of how many people were coming, so they have to get the guest rooms ready. Um, Palin has a bunch of stuff she's going to take care of, so they're going to wait till after the bus tour. <laughs> um, she was riding on the back of some Harley, I believe, uh, in D.C. this weekend, so that's a good place for her. Uh. Kept screaming, rev the engine, rev the engine. Don't know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really hope she runs for president because, um, yeah, she can't do any worse than George Bush did. Well, and if we're lucky, Obama will take care of all the all the wars and, and make peace everywhere else. So it, it'll be easy going for her. Yeah, well. You know, she can redecorate like Nancy Reagan did because, you know, Reagan era didn't have any big things going on. But do you, do you think that uh, she'll even get in there? 
when you look at the list of crazies the GOP is considering, I think she's just as viable a candidate as, as Mitt Romney or uh, that chick Bachman, Michelle Bachman, who used to be a witch. Uh, yeah, why not? Are they actually talking about her running for president? She's talking about herself running for president. The witch Newt Gingrich? Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, all hail President Noose. <laughs> See, he won't get elected just solely on his name. Uh, I don't know. I think Newt may be a very popular name among conservatives. I don't know. I don't know. Well, well, you live in Arkansas. Aren't there a bunch of people named Newt running around there? Uh, there's a lot of juniors. There's a lot of Billies. There's a lot of um, Ezekiels. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the biblical names are really big here. Um, Ezekiel, Zachary. Um, what was the other one that I saw the other day? Um, it, you know, short of being named Job here, I mean, <laughs> uh, it's it's quite the place to live. I can imagine. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. Well, I mean, my name's biblical. I mean, John means God's gift, so, and I've always believed in that. <laughs> Uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. As, may not be what you want, but I'll still keep giving. <laughs> as I'm sure people will come to learn here. <laughs> yes. So, uh, interesting topic you brought up. Yeah. You know, but bodily functions are, are always fun. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, wow, yeah. I don't know if I could ever follow that up. You know, it did remind me of a story, though. Um and I don't, I don't know, I'm sure you don't remember this, but in the place that we used to work, um, there was a shared bathroom that everybody used to go to. And I, I have a, notorious, a notoriously bad stomach. And um, one day I was in the bathroom and just dropped a load and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh look you're cracking yourself up that's great <laughs> and I turned around to flush the toilet and it didn't flush it stand up and wave <laughs> no and, and I was the only one in the bathroom and I was like well screw this I'm not going to even go get the plunger because I don't even know where it is and there was a couple of different stalls in there and I went out and passed you outside and you were on your way in and you came back into the office and you were like <laughs> you said I think a manatee went in there and took a shit <laughs> and you said somebody went in there and dropped a load and just walked away <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell you it was me <laughs> oh god well <laughs> Yes, folks, secrets will be revealed. <laughs> it's just one of those kind of things. Yes. Uh, 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 I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't think I ever told him that. <laughs> uh, good. Okay, I got to go now. Bye. <laughs> so, so, John, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, since we're on the subject of crap. Yeah. I was going to talk about sequels. Okay. Why, why the hell do we have to make sequels to everything? Because there's no original ideas left. But when did it become appropriate that, sing, that sequels to popular movies were the way to go? There was no The Maltese Falcon Part 2. There was no The Greatest Story Ever Told Continued. There was no The Searchers, Another Tale. Right. There were all these classic movies that were top of the game. You know, Citizen Kane, there was no follow-up. There was no prequel of the earlier days of Kane where he got Rosebud. You know, maybe you see him scooting down a hill on a little sled and you find out why it's so important to him. Right. But nowadays, there's just sequel after sequel after sequel. I mean, we're looking at 
uh, iRobot 2, Beverly Hills Cop 4, National Treasure 3, Cars 2, Toy Story 2, Jeepers Creepers 3, Shrek 5, Night at the Museum 2, uh, Harry Potter 7 Part 2, <laughs> Ghost Rider 2, Ice Age 3, The Grudge 3, The Descent 2, Silent Hill 2, Transporter 3, Super Troopers 2, The People Under the Stairs 2, which I can't wait for, <laughs> or, or War of the Worlds 2, The Next Wave. Oh, wow. It's like, really? And apparently that one stars C. Thomas Howell, so you know it's going to be like A-list, 3D. It's just going to be perfect. It's like, why do we keep making sequels? I mean, well, to me, if if you've got that much story to tell, then you got a TV show or a miniseries. Well, do you think, what are you more bothered by? Are you bothered by sequels or are you bothered by reboots? Reboots don't bother me as much as sequels because sequels are always compared to the original. Yeah, you know, but- you've got, what is it? X-Men The First Class coming out. Yeah. And it's going to be compared to the first X-Men movie and the second X-Men and Wolverine and everything else. It's like, okay, but couldn't you have made just the ultimate X-Men movie and walked away from it totally? Well, I don't think studios think that way anymore. The from the way I understand it, you know, movies don't even get made now without going through a committee. And from, from the way that I hear it is they actually will sit down and say to the director, "Who do you want to be in this?" and they'll say um pick some Nathan Fillion, right? So they say we want Nathan Fillion and they say, "Well, He's not really known for dramatic roles, and this is a dramatic role, so you can't have him because he won't bring in as much money as a dramatic actor. So, you know, they everything's done that way now, and it's all done for profitability. And you hear all those stories about as soon as the movie comes out and does well on the first weekend, they're already greenlighting the, the sequel. Because, True. Because they want that money, and they figure if you go to see... If you go to see Pirates of the Caribbean 3 and you actually sat through that crap, you will sit and go back to see Pirates of the Caribbean 4, which I guess is working in their favor, although it wasn't as big an opening as everybody said they it was going to be. No. Right. And I guess this is the first movie that was shot in 3D where more people went to go see it in 2D. Sure. Um, because it's a family movie. And people aren't quite, in Hollywood, aren't getting that the fad isn't, you know, not everybody wants to sit there and watch it in 3D. Right. It's not that widespread. It's still pretty expensive. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think just just from a money standpoint, I think studios lose so much money on crap that they make that they don't even either market well or they just make badly that they all want to – they just want to capitalize on the, the one movie that they make that actually does well. And we get crappy movies. And then 10 years later, they go, let's reboot this. And that, see, rebooting bothers me even more than than sequels. I can deal with sequels, rebooting when they're like, okay, we did three Spider-Man films. And so that we don't lose the, the rights to the character, we're just going to reboot the whole thing and we're going to do a new trilogy. That bugs me more than anything else. See, I don't mind a reboot because hopefully a reboot is going to take something in a totally different direction like the Bat- the Batman franchise. Well, I mean, after Joel Schumacher kind of turned Batman into villain of the week, <laughs> they're very entertaining movies. There's nothing wrong with Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze with his polar bear shoes on singing along to uh, Snow Miser. <laughs> but... I mean, it's almost as bad as the original series in the 60s where not only did you have your, your guest villains who were uh, uh, B-movie stars at best, but you also had the, the corny little cameos where they're climbing up the side of the building and Don Ho pops out because right. Don Ho has been visiting Gotham. Right. And I, I mean, I think that it, you can do a reboot and you can make it successful and you can make it fresh. Um I guess it's rare that lightning strikes twice, but I think, in, at least an example, the Batman franchise, I think did it well. Yeah, but Warner Brothers is already talking about the reboot of Batman after this next Batman film. Sure. 
So we're going to have to sit through another origin story? <laughs> I like... I, well, not necessarily. See, I really like superhero films, but I hate origin stories. The first... That's why I think, like, X2 was better than X1, um, or X-Men 1. Um, the one thing that I really liked about Tim Burton's Batman was that when it started, he was already Batman. Mm-hmm. There was no journey. He had already taken the journey, and we were already into it. People were already scared of him. You know, I th- the only two um, origin stories that I've been able to sit through recently was um, Batman Begins and Iron Man. Okay. Because Iron Man was told in a way where it was believable, and, you know, he's stuck in a cave, and he's building this thing, and... The arc reactor is a little hard to believe, but you got to take that on faith, you know, whatever. It's a comic book movie. Right. But, you know, when when they do origin stories and all that kind of stuff, and every time they reboot, like, they, they're going to reboot Spider-Man. We're going to sit through another origin story of how Peter Parker became Spider-Man. Everybody right. knows. Everybody knows now. You know, and I know everybody says, you know, when you pick up a comic book that, it could be anybody's first comic book, so they have to go over all that information and all that crap. But I think for comic book movies, unless it's something obscure, you don't really have to go through it. Right. And, you know, reboots just make you sit through all that crap, whereas sequels don't. I guess. But you ever notice the kind of movies that get sequels? I mean, there's never uh, a uh, Pretty Woman 2 or Regarding Henry 2. It's always whatever that movie was that was a a summer or Christmas blockbuster is the type of movie that gets a sequel. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I think, again, it's all based on profitability. I think as soon as you cross a magic number in Hollywood, you you instantly have a sequel. Yeah. but, you know, I'm hoping, like, you know, there's there's movement in, in Hollywood now for, like, people like um, Jason Siegel. Did you see the Muppets trailer? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're doing a new Muppet movie, and they're taking it back to the roots of the original Muppet movie. And, you know, they, they made that genius trailer where they make it look like a really shitty, uh, like, love story. Right, right. And then he's like... Uh, Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy? Right. And they go into what it is. And I, I mean, I think if, if Peter Siegel and people like that can get in charge of certain things, you know, and I said that for Green Hornet, I was I was really happy that um, Seth Rogen was kind of in charge of it and it wasn't going to be the, the standard superhero movie. And it turned out okay. I mean, but... I'm hope, eh. I'm hoping as that stuff goes on, as as it's not the studios that are making movies, but they're putting it in charge of people that can actually write and craft a story that shit like that'll get better. Well, I mean, we can hope, but when we're you know looking at Saw Number Five, how many up and coming filmmakers were passed over because we know this is a ready made product that even if it's ninety minutes of the logo on screen. People are going to go to it. Yeah. So and they're, they're going to buy the, the T-shirts. They're going to, you know, all that crap. Yes. There'll be, be a haunted house at Universal this year based on it. Saw floors me. I mean, the first one was good, but after that, I'd, I don't know why people kept coming back. And yet they do. I know. And is it that the stars are just prostituting themselves I mean, if you look at the Mad Max movies, it's like the Mad Max first movie was such a, uh, I don't know, quintessential piece of almost guerrilla cinema. I mean, it it didn't have a huge budget. It wasn't any big name stars, but it told a really great story. So, hey, let's throw Tina Turner in the mix. (laughs) Right. But see, that stuff still happens. You know, you have you have filmmakers that are out there now that are spending thirty five grand on a movie. Like, did you see Paranormal Activity? No, no, you didn't see it. 
Nope. Um, you know, the dude shot it in his house. It was one of those stories where he kind of took took stock in what he had and what he had access to, and he bought a camera. And it's all that, you know, it's all that found footage look. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story's crafted to where it, it's it's a decent film to watch. Um, that, you know, it costs however much it, it, they made it for, which wasn't that much, and it grossed $9 million its first week. So stuff like that can still be made. Um you know, Paranormal Activity 2, which now they're turning into Saw, they're just going to release one every year. That, I mean, when when you saw that and realized where it fit into the first film, it it made it real interesting. And do you have any plans to see any of those movies? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, if, if you haven't seen them yet and you're going to see it... Um, the first the first film takes place within the second film. The second film goes up to a certain point and then they actually play like the opening shot from the first film so that you know where that fits in. And then goes to back to the second film to conclude it so that you if you've seen the first film, you know up to a certain point um like all this stuff happens at uh, the main character's sister's house. And then something happens to where the evil entity gets sent over to the the other sister's house, takes control of the girl, and then she goes back to the family's house in the first, in the second film, and kills the family. And it's this weird arc thing that you could actually take the first film and edit it into the second film at a point. And then have another point where the first film ends and then the second film concludes and it's all one co- cohesive story. And that, that kind of that was interesting to me when I watched it because you don't ever see that these days. Sequels are always, we're going to start from here now and then we're going to tell you this much of their lives. But for all the other stuff, it was, for especially Paranormal Activity, it was like a whole cohesive story and if they can have people make more stuff like that you know and storytelling that's not typical Hollywood I guess right but what's it going to take to get more of that type of movie made obviously everything is based on the dollar right now and obviously will be from you know from now until the end of time because we've seen what a what a money maker it is right but you know, you have films like like. Did you see Black Swan? Mm-hmm. Like Black Swan, made for a very low budget, did really good business, won the Academy Award for Best Actress. You know, there's no plans for Black Swan too. Thank God. Yeah, well, that'd be a little hard. But <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Like there are movies that are being made. I mean, Black Swan was shot on 16 millimeter to give them the look that they were looking for. Right. Um, you know, you hear people uh, like Kevin Smith. He said in interviews that he could go back and make Clerks now the exact same movie for about $5,000. And people are making movies for low cost these days and selling them at Sundance and making some big money. So hopefully... If people could do that and do like effects movies that told good stories, you know, I think Hollywood would start to sit up and pay attention. But, you know, it's hard when you have Sylvester Stallone making The Expendables and, you know, that actually doing well. If that had flopped, right? you know, there wouldn't be an Expendables 2 coming out. <laughs> but there is. Of course. So... You know, I think I think sequels are they're they're going to be a necessary evil in Hollywood because not everything that they make does well, and they're having to finance. I remember reading once that the studio's money is usually made off of one film that they release every year, and 
everything else kind of is paid for by that one movie. All the people working at the studio, all the production, all the budgets for anything else that's coming up. Um, you know, and unless it's a big tentpole summer picture, you don't normally see them up over $50 million anymore. Right, right. Well, there's so much competition for the dollar. Yeah. Well, do you think that we're almost at a point where the Hollywood studio system is just going to collapse on itself? Yeah, I do. That there's – it gets to a point where they're no longer needed? Uh, well, it depends on – it depends on where – the industry goes at this point. Hollywood up until now has all been about three days. If you don't perform well on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, if you don't make your budget back within those three days, you're a failure. Right. And, you know, when, when movies finally come to video and DVD, there's, they they always blow the, the, theatrical numbers right out of the water. And I think um, if Hollywood was to take their attention away from that and focus on the life of the movie and not the theatrical run of the movie, mm-hmm. um, I think I, th- I think Hollywood could survive. But if things are going to go the way that they look like they're heading, where Netflix is going to be a distributor, right, and other things like like YouTube's now putting movies online and all that kind of stuff, I think it's going to open doors for any filmmaker. Anybody that's got a camera and that can tell a story and it doesn't look like, you know, a third grader did it, I think there's there's kind of a new dawn coming to Hollywood because people aren't going to need big studios anymore. And Right. I mean, it... It used to be that the studio was your your one-stop shop. You would have your star talent was signed to a specific studio. You had specific writers. You had uh, your distribution in-house, your marketing in-house, your art in-house. Everything was done through that studio. And nowadays when you watch you know, the credits of a film, you've got five or six different productions houses that are involved in something it's like well if that's what it's taking do we really need an mgm or is it just a dinosaur that's there because it's been there right well and you know if if you look at i can't remember what film it was there was a big film recently where the number of effects houses that worked on the film were in the double digits where it used to all be within like ILM would do the whole film. Right. You know, these days it's branching out and there's so many effects houses that are struggling. They're taking on smaller work at a greater volume and Mm -hmm. it's making it affordable for, for filmmakers that aren't in the Hollywood system to get stuff made. And I think I think Hollywood needs to to sit up and take atten- attention to that because if Netflix works and can distribute movies and you know people stop going to the theaters, I mean everybody the the numbers for that have dropped significantly now, uh, especially for like non summer blockbusters because you know who wants to go and sit to su- and listen to some kids screaming or. Exactly. It's not that people don't want to go to the movies. It's that the experience has become such a nightmare. Yeah. Why bother? You know, you've got idiots who are bringing infants into R-rated films at the, you know, 11 o'clock showing at night and wonder why people are pissed at them. It's like, because you're an idiot. Yeah. I I mean, I think a couple of years ago they were talking about um, the the distribution companies were seriously looking at uh, releasing movies uh, video on demand the same day that they were released in theaters. Right. And I think that they would make a shitload of money if they did that. Because you're not... Even if somebody was going to have a movie party and say, hey, come over Friday night, we're all going to watch Thor. Right. You know, you you make it to the point where 
you have to make it worth their while to invite that many people over. You know, there, there'd have to be something in place to make sure that the studios got their money, but you would see numbers increase dramatically simply because you wouldn't have to go to the theater anymore. Right. And most home theaters rival sound-wise and picture-wise what you see in the theaters now anyway. Right. It's, well, I mean, it, it's it's the whole movie-going experience. You've got to drive somewhere. You've got to find a parking space. You've got to wait in line to buy your tickets. You've got to wait in line to give your ticket to the usher so they can tear it in half and tell you which of the 73 cinemas in the building is where your movie is showing. You've got to stand in line for your stale popcorn and your $7 Coke. It's like if, if there was a way to merge AMC and Walmart, yeah. you might have a viable product there. I mean, down here, we just opened the AMC uh, movie and dine experience. Oh, is that like where they have tables in the theater? Yeah, they've got really nice chairs, and you never have to climb over. I think it's more than one person, so they're like groupings of two chairs. They've got a little call button where the waitress will come and bring your food, bring your drinks. But how long is that going to sustain itself, and um, what's your target audience? I mean, are you really going to take a family of, you know, mom, dad, and the four kids to go see Thor, where you're paying, you know, for a $12 burger? Right. Or is it better to go to the Red Box and pay a buck and watch uh, Hangover 1? Right. You know? You're still watching the movie. You're still getting the enjoyment out of it. It's not on a big screen. It's not surrounded by hundreds of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't... I don't know what the answer to that is. I mean, it's obviously not 3D because there's only a certain type of movie you can show in 3D. Right. And right now it's so expensive. I mean, especially with the new quality of 3D glasses, it's such an upfront cost to the to the uh, uh, to the movie theater. It's like, is this really the way you want to go? Hmm. I got well, you know, my wife and I. We had a kid last year, so we haven't really been to the movies um, in the last year, year and a half, because we don't want to be those parents that have the screaming kid. Right. Uh, and we wait until everything comes out on Redbox. Mm-hmm. And then it's a buck, and then we watch it on a Saturday night, and, you know, it's kind of like date night. Kids sure. usually asleep when, when we watch it, and... You know, it's a better sound. It's if we got to get up and go to the bathroom, you can pause it. Right. You know, there's watching at home is to me is just so much better than in a theater now. Right. And that's coming from somebody who whose dream it is to make big Hollywood movies. I mean, I would I would be hard pressed if if I ever get to Hollywood to say. You know, we need to we need to look at a different way of doing this because I I totally agree that the movies, you know, it's not based on three days. It should be based on the life of the movie, right? And if you if you package a DVD or a blue Blu Ray really well, and you give them lots of extras and stuff, you're going to sell a shitload of those, right? Now, what I don't agree with is every couple of years putting in three seconds of new footage and then re-releasing it. You know, that's, I think that's shady, but I think the home experience needs to be the optimal viewing experience now because people will buy that for 30 bucks and watch it over and over and over. You know, the, the one thing that I don't like about Redbox is there's never any special features on the discs. It's just the movie. Right. So, you know, for for what it's worth, um, I would I would much rather watch them at home than go to a theater. And I think most people would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, when you when you look at the, I don't the evolution of the movie going experience. They used to be these destinations to go to. There were these huge ornate theaters, um, like the El Capitan out in California, where going to the movie was part of the experience. It wasn't just, oh, we're going to see a movie. It's, you know, you get dressed up. And right. uh, in the 40s and 50s, they would, 
you there were different promotions with the movie theaters where you could get uh you know a set of dishes if you want enough or oh. um stuff like that and then we got the drive-ins which is kind of like well more and more people have cars right. and nowadays more and more people have home theaters so maybe hollywood needs to redirect some of their their energy into what that audience is right you know i mean we're seeing quicker and quicker turnarounds from from the movie to the dvd but maybe it's even quicker yeah i mean they could they could totally they could totally release them you know in a month onto disc mm-hmm. because they're now making them simultaneously Right, they're doing all the extras for the DVDs at the same time that they're they're in post production for the film. So they they could, but then you know the theaters are all bitching because nobody will come if if it's that close. There's actually some kind of contract between theater owners and Hollywood about when they can release their films. Right. Well, then maybe it's the theater owners that have to get a reality check. Maybe. And I mean, like you talked about theater size and and the grand old thing. Um, We live about 30 minutes outside of Branson, Missouri. And if we go to the movies up there, there's actually a theater. We went to see, uh, what was the piece of crap movie we saw? Uh, The Fountain. Did you see The Fountain? No. It's, oh, it's... (laughs) good. Darren Aronofsky is a genius, but this film was just so out there. It took place in three different time periods, but it was the same characters and they all they were all supposed to tie together and like one of the time periods is the future where Hugh Jackman is bald and he's riding in space on a big tree. <laughs> um and but my my review aside, the theater we went to go see it in, we walked in, and I swear to God, there were only seven rows in the theater. Hmm. There were two down front, and then a walkway, and then four that went up the back. And it the, it held less than 50 people. And it was like, really? You, you actually split the building apart for this? So a sellout is like 30? You know, I don't, I, and I, I, maybe I just don't understand the way that the theater business works anymore, but, you know, when you have crap like that, where all of a sudden, if there's five of us in the theater, we're right on top of each other. And then you got to deal with the phone calls and the, the screaming baby. It's like, I'd just rather stay home. Right, right. So, I don't know. So, seeing that we're talking about entertainment, John, this past Sunday marked the one-year anniversary of the end of Lost. (laughs) Thank God. And I know that you and I are both on different sides of this fence. Right. So, being that it's the one-year anniversary and you've had a year to ponder all of it, what do you still feel the same way about... The ending of Lost. I mean, you you didn't like it. I was so disappointed. I thought the little three minute featurette that was on the DVD, where Ben and Hurley go and shut down one of the distribution centers, answered more questions for me than that stupid finale. <laughs> the Lost was not about some kind of transcendental journey. It was an adventure, and they kind of lost sight of that. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, well, these are the most important people in their life and you're all going to be together now. And it's like, really? But, okay. But at the end, at the end of it all, it was just a story about the journey of people. No, (laughs) it really wasn't. It, It was a story. of It was not, it was not the five people you meet in heaven. It was not some kind of feel-good, uh, you know, cable religious programming. It was, it was this, 
adventure. I mean, there was no other way to explain it. You were on this island, and this freaky stuff happened to you. And then the writers got bored, and all of a sudden there's another tribe of others, and there's a temple that nobody saw in however many years it was, and the four-toed statues, and it's like, really? They answered the four-toed statue? Yeah. No, they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, they didn't. I, I just wanted everything wrapped up. You're like, okay, this is the end. This explains it. This is why this happened. And it was like, oh, totally not what I was expecting. See, I quite liked it. I I thought that when it boils down to it, Lost is a story about the important people in your lives. They all showed up, screwed up on the island, and they all forged a family bond to where in heaven, if you want to believe in heaven or whatever that was, that those were the people that you wanted to spend the rest of your time with. And it was kind of touching, you know. It's kind of a <laughs> no. It wasn't. Well, and this is this is coming from somebody who's not religious in the slightest. I don't I don't really believe there's anything after this, and and it touched me in a way where I was like, wow, that's really poignant and and you know heart touching. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt that. The premise was never satisfied. There were so many red herrings thrown out. There was so much bizarre stuff. The, the, the other aircraft at the bottom of the ocean with the alternate passengers. And it's... I didn't feel that the ending served the story. Okay. I would have I rathered 40 minutes of Hurley and Ben going around wrapping things up. Well. I mean, when you, when you invest that much time in something and you're expecting it to go one way and it's totally not what you're expecting, it was disappointing. It really was. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I liked it. I mean, it was a better ending than it all being in a snow globe in the mind of an of a autistic kid's head. Well, sure. Better than somebody waking up and it all being a dream. I don't know. Is it? I, I mean, I what so. if... Uh, I don't know. At least that would have answered things. If it was somebody's, you know, feverish dream and then they wake up and it's like, oh, okay. You can kind of see where it went to. But that those people somehow needed to be together yeah because they they were they were totally fucked up all of them in some way when they arrived on the island and over the six years they've fixed they fixed themselves and then at the very end they needed to fix the island and I, i still don't buy it in between that time they all formed a big family bond now i will agree that things like um, Jin and son dying, even though Jin never met his daughter and he just kind of gave up. That was a little weird. Right. You know, um, and I think the writers at, so at one point had no clue when the show was going to end. So they were just throwing in everything. Mm-hmm. And then ABC said, well, this is your end date and we're going to take six episodes off of your season. Right. So finish your story. And I think stuff like the plane at the bottom of the ocean, all that kind of crap, kind of got had to be left at the wayside. But I, I still think at the core of the story are the passengers on the plane and their journey together. But I think we could have done without the entire flash forward season and just wrapped up all the arcs. Jack and the big fake beard screaming, we got to go back. Oh, yeah. And the kid that came out of nowhere and uh, Michael and what was the kid's name? Walt. Walt. Yeah. I, I, I just, that served no purpose for me. It's like, oh, okay, this is leading somewhere. It's like you're being led somewhere and then 
they don't know where they're going. Aren't, I mean, certain certain things were ads. Like you found out who Adam were, Adam and Eve were from the first season, right? And okay, that was a revelation. But there's so many holes. It's like, why did you create such an epic backstory and then bail on it? I don't. I don't know. I mean. I mean, why did the researchers on the island have to disguise themselves as homeless people? What? Why did that make sense? Why was that important? Well, you know, you had, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the backstory about the DeGroots and Alvo Hansen, and every so often an arm would disappear, and then he'd be somebody else, and it's like, huh? Okay, I'll give you that. You know, I mean, they did such a great job of keeping people intrigued, especially on like their summer hiatus. Right. When they did the, you know, the most the most recent one was the uh, the Dharma pro- uh, project um, recruitment drive, but all of those things were leading towards one sort of ending, and then you didn't get it. See, but but they did stuff too, like the the summer that they did, they had all the pieces of the, of the video and you had film. To, yeah, that was for something completely different. That had nothing to do with the show. Uh, well, that was an well, online thing. Well, there was also the the bad twin novel that was totally screwed up. Well, I'm not saying it was perfect. I just I'm just saying that that if you boil it down to the basics. It's it's a story of broken people who find a family, and then they all die, and they want. <laughs> and to they live them. happily ever after, and they walk into the lice. Huh? Now, see, there there's certain now, things. And, and why didn't Hurley go with them? I mean, Hurley seemed to be one of those calming forces that was kind of forcing them to repair themselves. And yet Hurley wasn't one of those people who went on with them. Yes, he was. Hurley went? No, Ben stayed behind. Ben stayed behind. It, because, because Hurley goes, are you coming in? And, and Ben says, no, but I want, I want you to know that you were a great boss. Right, right. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, 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 it just was not the ending I was expecting, and it wasn't an ending. I was like, "Oh wow, that was a really cool twist." It was like they they did what, <laughs> and the people who were showing up in the flash forwards who might have been people from their past, or maybe they just couldn't afford new actors. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Uh, the woman who was uh, the physicist's mother was also the woman who sold the Australian guy the wedding ring in his flashback, and she was the doctor at the head of the lighthouse. Oh, you, you're talking about um, oh, what's her? What was her character name? Hawkins, Mrs. Hawkins. Yes. They kind of wrapped her stuff up. Uh, I I don't know. I didn't really feel like they did because she was she was on the island, um, right? She was on the island with with what's his name the the dude that was trying to get back, right? Um, and then she was she had a baby off the island, which turned out to be the physicist, right? And she was working to get the dude who Widmore 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 was trying to get back on the island and she was trying to help him because they were a couple right uh the only thing that i don't know how that fits in is when um what the the australian guy right when he had that weird thing where he was Going back and forth in time for no right. reason after the hatch blew up. Right. I don't. I don't. I can't say why that happened, but they kind of tie her story up and how, you know, she ends up having to be the one that kills her own son, and she has to put him on the path 
even though she knows that she's going to end up killing him. And then in the afterlife, she's trying to make it all better. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe I have to sit down and just watch them all in the row over the course of a couple of weeks. Well, you know, um, I was listening to uh, a podcast that had Damon Lindelof on it. And he, he was saying that people should go back and do that. People need to go back and watch them all in succession instead of having a week to think about it and forgetting things and things getting lost, um, that you need to start from the beginning and watch the whole thing. And you'll have a better understanding of the big picture because there were times when they would be off for a year and they'd come back on, they'd be like previously on lost and they'd start showing stuff and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. That happened. And you forget stuff that's gone on earlier so, and he was saying that he thinks now having had that experience with Lost, that that's the way that TV shows should come out. They should come out a season at a time, like to where you can just buy them and not have to wait, you know, a week for each of them. Right. Like there'd be a thing like Netflix or, or iTunes where in September, if you want to watch them all every week, you know, they'll be on network TV, but anybody who wants to watch the whole thing in one shot, you know, could spend 50 bucks and just download them all and then just watch them. Right. So I don't know. Maybe that's a, maybe that's an option. Maybe if you went back, you'd, you'd see it my way. I don't know. I just don't see why those specific people were the ones who stayed together. Because they were a family. No, they weren't. Yeah, they were. Because because their their fa- their other families were so fucked up that these were the people that they clung to and grew closest to. Sawyer grew close to Jack. Really? Well, it could be like one of those things where where I'm friends with you and you're friends with somebody else, but I might not necessarily like that person. You've got a stronger bond with that person than I do, and you want to spend eternity with that person and me, and then we all show up in a big church somewhere. <laughs> that's that's providing if all that's true, you know. And then you wait for the mothership, and <laughs> well, I think there's there's a better chance of that than, yeah. Well, I don't want to I don't want to start any controversies on the first show. <laughs> we'll save that for show three. Number three, the story of creation versus Darwinism. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> it's a hot button topic here in Arkansas, let me tell you. I can imagine. Oh, yeah. I've been trying to find one of those little Darwin fishes for my truck. Nice. Because I figure, you know. Yeah, here, here in Arkansas, they actually, when you meet somebody for the first time, it's not how are you. The question usually is what church do you go to? You know, it's that kind of place. Real Bible Belt. And being that we're only, the town that I live in is only about five miles away from the KKK headquarters. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a very interesting dynamic. Because you have racial intolerance on one hand and then God-fearing people on the other. Right. You know, very few black people in this town and very few Latinos and, you know, it's it's something else. It's an experience. It's it's a place where I'm like, I don't ever want to be in this kind of place again. <laughs> but, you know. Well, maybe we can arrange for the Harlem Globetrotters to come to your town and, and play an exhibition game with the Klan. <laughs> but but see, I think that if, if the um if the local college was to arrange that, mm-hmm. they'd have all kinds of people here to see it. Because it it's not about black people, them not liking black people, it's about they don't want other races to live in their community. But, I mean, if, I mean, we've had, down on the town square, they've had, like, like soul groups come in and sing at the theater, and they sell it out. Well, as long as they leave. And exactly, that's... and that's the thing. And, you know, if you, if you come to the town, I'm... 
any of the locals can show you which tree on the square used to be the hanging tree. <laughs> it's real old school. It's very much like living in the 60s here. You know, it's it's very much that. The town square looks like the town square from Back to the Future. Awesome. There's literally a town square, and then the center of it sits a courthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have a clock tower on it, but it does. they do have bells that ring at noon. Um, and it looks like it's straight out of the 50s. Small town America. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> and it's small town America thinking, too. I mean, we won't go into it now, but at a later time, we'll discuss about the whole big controversy of when they wanted to legalize uh, alcohol, which just passed this past this past election. That's 2010, <laughs> when everybody else has had it since like the 1800s. Right. You know, it's that kind of small town thinking. But anyway, well, since we're not going to agree on the whole lost thing, John. Um, that's probably a good place to stop for today. Um, so if anybody uh, wants to get in touch with us, we're going to be on Twitter at, uh, at DanceMonkeyPod, all one word. Um, you can also visit our website at DanceMonkeyPodcast.com. Um, and if you want to email us, you can always send an email to info at DanceMonkeyPodcast.com, which is all one word. Um, and if you want to see what I do uh, on a video level, you can always visit my other website, which is Havoc-Creative.com. Um, you can see all my cool stuff. And I don't know, John, is there anywhere people can see your stuff? Uh, Zebra421.com. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, any closing words, John? Uh, no. No? I have no closing words. Okay. All right. I'll well, be back. Okay. Well, I guess until next week, uh, we'll see you all then. <laughs> Bye.